Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there. You're listening to the $2 Late Feet Podcast with Zach Schaefer and Dustin Rubin. We are two dudes who both worked at video stores and love the 1980s. We are glad you're here. In each episode, we discuss a movie from the 80s along with a song that was featured in that movie. Also, we talk to celebrities from that era. It's basically all about sharing our 80s love with you. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to $2 Late Fee Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Schaefer, and join with me as always, my co-host... Oh hey, it's Dustin Rubin. <laughs> well, it, the as always threw me off because oh, it's our very first show. <laughs> you know, on today's show, our first premiere episode, we're going to take you back in time to 1986. Some of the most popular movies from 1986 were Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, Platoon... But we're not talking about any of those movies. We're talking about one that we hold very near and dear to our hearts. We're going to talk about the Rebel Without a Pummel Horse gymnastic classic, American Anthem. American Anthem. And I love that you said we hold it near to our two hearts. Yes, because the song <laughs> on, on our podcast, we talk about a song and a movie that kind of connect. And, and the song that connects with this is from the movie American Anthem, Two Hearts by John Parr, St. Elmo's Fire, Man in Motion himself. Uh, and it goes so well with the movie because Janet Jones, I guess we're just going to jump right into this, right? Yeah, just, the movie. <laughs> just just jump in. I mean, for people that might not be familiar with this movie, um, this was a movie that came out. Uh, <laughs> what the hell did it come out? Uh, it came out in yeah June 27th, 1986. Uh, it was a movie about two uh, gymnasts with struggles. Um one of which uh, was played by Mitch Gaylord, or, it, oh yeah. or Mitchell Gaylord, uh, as he's formerly known. Olympic gold medalist. Olympic gold medalist in uh, 1984. Yep. And Janet Jones, um, who's, uh, I guess, best known as um, Wayne Gretzky's wife. Yes. I think I, I've seen her um, workout video as well. 
<laughs> from, I'm not ashamed to admit that. That was the same year, right? I think it was. I could, yeah, I think it came out. It, it might have coincided with this, <laughs> the release of this movie. Um, yes, and this movie is basically, when we talk about the importance of, of, of music, I mean, this is essentially like a 97-minute music montage. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, Mitch Gaylord won a Razzie. Um, which is the uh, award for worst performance um, in a movie. Um, so I, yeah. So so when I think of this movie, I wonder how much of it is like to sort of they shot the movie. Maybe Mitch didn't give the best performances, and they were like, okay, we'll just we'll just do a montage here. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll just montage everything. There's a lot of montages from the beginning right. to end. Yeah. So anytime that something doesn't connect on an actor level, we'll just. Um, montage it musically and that's and, no disservice like he he, he was obviously a, a new actor to this uh new to acting yeah and, and they're capitalizing off of his success as olympic gold medalist right i mean that's clearly what this is yeah. it's like we're gonna just see if we can capitalize off of uh the 1984 i mean did they, yeah the u.s men's team won the gold yeah and he was he was capturing the hearts of, of men and women alike that year um myself included right I guess so, because I would have been seven. I was ten. And, right, so you were much more mature and older. And uh, the Wheaties boxes, right? We, yeah. He was definitely on the Wheaties box. I th- I'm pretty I sure. I just know that this idea of this, uh, well, the way it was marketed, at least from from my recollection, was it was like this rebel without a cause kind of attitude. You know, um, he, t- angsty. And then this love story in the backdrop and being ten and on the precipice of hormones kicking in. I was intrigued by that. Growing up in the 80s, I always looked at these characters in these movies as somebody that I wanted to be. I thought he looked cool, you know? Yeah. He had the motorcycle yeah, and the leather cool. jacket. And and then when you watch the movie, and you're like, okay, yeah, well, is this the greatest movie since, you know, Second Coming of Christ? No, but uh, entertaining, though. Yeah, it's very entertaining. I think it achieves... Um achieves what it's set out to do like i have any understanding of what it was setting out to do it just seemed like oh yeah he was great in 84 i, I mean i was seven in 84 when the olympics came out that i don't rem- did you follow any of that that's what i was yeah i mean i i, I was i was i remember so, when he won the gold in 84 okay, so and you- what a big deal he was and and clearly they're like oh let's put this guy in a movie and you know. Right, and we don't care if he can act. We learned yeah. our mistakes from Jim Cotta. We'll make up for it with this. <laughs> right. We'll get to that later. Jim Cotta. Oh, sweet, sweet Jim Cotta. Um, and Janet Jones being like this sex symbol and like, and, 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 and actually if you go down the cast, it's got a really good cast. Um, Mich- good in the actory sense? Yeah, like yeah. Michelle Phillips who, you know, she's right. got a pretty prolific career and um, uh, the, the coach... Uh, in the movie, Coach uh, Saranoff, I think is his name. Yeah, um, Michael Pataki. He's he's a well known genre actor. And what what, some, what are some of the things oh, that he, Michael Pataki has done? Michael Pataki has been in. Actually, he's got. Well, I know he was in. He's probably mostly well known for Rocky Four, um, right? And as being like the evil Russian coach. Yes. Um, you know, um, air. He was in uh, Spider Man and um, the Dirt Bike Gang, and 
<laughs> right, the dirt Actually, bike no, gang. sorry. Everybody we, knows the dirt bike I mean, we're going to run down movies that my, uh, people might hear and go, oh yeah. my gosh, but he was in Remo Williams. I love Remo Williams. The Adventure Begins. And actually, in Rocky IV, his name was uh, Nikolai Koloff, not to be confused with Nikolai Volkov. Okay. The wrestler. Um, you know, the disaster artist, uh, the onion field, uh, night shift. Right. So he's, but yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of movies. Yes. Um, and Raise so, the Titanic. What? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Um, the dirt bike gang is one we'll have to, uh, explore further, but I think, um, <laughs> so this is a movie about two gymnasts, uh, from different sides of the tracks. Um, it's a love story. And they're both struggling with, um, well, Mitch Gaylord is, is struggling with... Um, They've got performance issues. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Gaylord is, he, he's a football player, although we don't, all we know is that like he, he had played football, yeah. he got injured, and There's he was forced to pivot from football into the next highest impact sport on your body. Um, gymnastics. That's kind of weird in retrospect, isn't it? Because it's like if you have a knee injury or something, you're not going to go to gymnastics. No, and 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 there's they they eventually get to the fact that his father contributed to uh, him breaking his arm or something like that when he was a kid, and uh, and, right. and then he blames himself for his dad doing that. So there's a weird dynamic there going on with the physical violence. Right, right. It's like, it seems like he's more concerned about his dad's lack of communication than he is that, Dad, you broke my fucking arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, for no reason. Right. Um, but he had a scholarship yeah. and he was going to be the next big thing and then gave that up. Uh, to become the next big thing in gymnastics. Well, yeah, <laughs> and then like, he just wants to be an auto mechanic. And there's this, uh, <laughs> you know, he wants to he wants to follow his father's footsteps. And his father's like, you know, it comes down to don't be a failure like I right. was. Um, his father taking out his anger on his son, which is really fucked yeah. up. But, yeah. uh, and then there's Janet Jones, who she's this amazing gymnast. And her, her, um, her choreographed routine it's just not hitting the mark because she's forced to dance to this musical ballet piece. But her brother, her wheelchair-bound brother... I think it's her cousin, isn't it? Her cousin, it? yeah, that's right. Her, I think it is. Her cousin, uh, Arthur. Well, because I remember he's, yes. he has some anger. He's got anger Her cousin, Ar- Arthur, has some anger at her because maybe he feels abandoned because his parents died in a car, in a crash. car crash. Yeah. And she disappeared or something. But anyway, yeah, he's but he's angry for like 15 seconds, and then he's like, I'll make you some music yeah. for your routine. Because he's an amazing musician. Yes, in that classic 80s synthesizer. And honestly, you could go up and down trashing this movie and say, oh, it's got this flaw and that flaw. But growing up as kids watching this, I, didn't, I looked past all that. Yes, it, it, it captures the 80s. Um, obviously, what, what was going on, uh, culturally, internationally, in the world, um, with gymnastics and um, patriotism, <laughs> um, I think there, just getting back to the idea of montages for a second, like there's yeah. nothing more '80s to me than like a great montage. I think that's where it started. I think that's where um, I've always been quite inspired by watching a montage. You know, to do whatever it is, whatever it is I, I'm trying to achieve, I. I, I picture it in a montage, and I get, I get inspired. Um, it's how I get through a workout every time. Workouts, yep, yep. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm sure I mentioned to you that my my workout music of choice was the soundtrack of Vision Quest. Still is, really, if I'm being quite honest. Yeah, um, another sports movie. 
yeah, just like uh, just getting inspired. Um, I've totally digressed from what we we're talking about, but I think no, but I, the, that idea that sports movies were kind of the 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 the, the the king of montage that would always be in a sports movie. And the eighties were ripe with great sports movies like the Rocky series and vision quest and rad and North shore. And, um, I mean, the list goes on and on of like sports related movies. Yeah. I think this is one of the few Hoosiers, Hoosiers, right. And to, and I think my, my feeling is that they were trying to get across this idea of, you know, setting this, it's tough being a teen and making, adult choices and here we are in the we'll set it in the world of gymnastics and yeah. this musical montage uh covering up for you know certain lacking acting abilities because uh, i think there's a lot of actors in the movie who are all legit gymnasts um, for sure that being said they, they they cover up some of their acting by throwing a montage in there yeah and that's what gets you going yeah and 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 it's the song that um, Janet Jones' character, her her cousin, makes for her Arthur. That gets her going. That gets her, <laughs> for lack of a better term, juices flowing. Yeah, the the scene where she shows up at the okay. So so just to backtrack for a second. So there's so there's two there's two hearts. <laughs> there's two of them. Yes. Two hearts is the name of the song. Um, but um, they're both they've both sort of lost their way. They show up to work with this new coach who's like not he's not, not really coach for the Olympics, but he's like a co- it's like a national team of some, yeah, it's, it's yeah. important. This it's is, a big team. This is qualifying for the Olympic team, um, right? This is and and I'm not fully versed on gymnastic competitions, but I know I don't think it matters in no. this case because I, I don't think they're doing a lot of justice. You know the. The, the the final match is in like a dimly lit like barn or something. I don't even feel like it's, I, it, I, but um, but so but when Janet Jones shows up, yeah. her character Julie shows up to work with this new coach. She's immediately like she, her first thing is like, oh, I don't get to pick my own music. Yeah, like that. I've never not picked my own music because she comes in with this reputation as being a hothead. Yeah, same with uh, Mitch Gaylord's character. He's he's got a chip on his shoulder. They both yeah. have chips on their they shoulder. Bo- there's a lot of shoulder chips. So there's some egos that need to be brought down. Does the coach pick everyone's music? Uh-huh. I've never had anybody pick my music before. You never had a coach like Sarnoff. Come on, I'll show you around. Like, right away, the movie is saying, like, oh, she's she won't be able to do this because she didn't get to pick her own music. So she's like, I'm not happy. Um, There's a lot of pouting going on. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, and then she ultimately gets her cousin makes her music. She gets to do it, and then she like she's awesome. She's awesome, and she's ready to go. And she falls in love with um, Steve. It's Steve and and, and Julie, and uh, but 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 Steve is pushing her away because he pushes everybody away, right? Because he's afraid for, of commitment, right? Because because of when his father broke his arm. Yes, understandably yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, yeah. I can't speak from that, but I could say that he he uh, rightfully has some anger issues, and he worked through it by uh, grabbing a high bar in the middle of the forest. Right, and, the, uh, the random high bar. Yes, working out, uh, you know, with this gross mattress underneath him. <laughs> like, how would you mount a high bar between two trees? That in itself is pretty impressive. Yeah, I must say. Right, because you can't. 
you can't use you can't just use like caulk or uh, <laughs> nails. Yeah, um, I th- I wonder if he talked to the people from Jim Cotta. Yeah, right. High bar I, in the yeah the people who put a pommel horse in the middle of the woods. <laughs> the same people that put a high bar uh, in the woods. But but it but this film is like. Uh, and I think a lot of '80s movies fall into this category. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of rich. Um, uh, it's colorful when you describe it. If you describe this movie on paper to someone who maybe is a fan of sports movies and uh, '80s movies, they'll go, "Wow, this sounds really great." Right, right. Granted, the execution at the end of the day, it's not so much. Um, and then they tagged on the fact that this is directed by the guy who made Purple Rain. Yep. And Purple Rain is held very dear in the hearts of Prince fans all over the world. And people probably gravitated towards that. And they realized, oh, this is not Purple Rain. This is a PG-ish movie versus an R-rated movie. Um, But it's still, like, for me, it holds a special place just because being 10 years old, banking off the Olympics and going, wow, it's so cool. And I want to be this guy. And and there's some moments that there's some really funny accidental moments, I think, um, of of angst in this that just you know will make you chuckle in a good way. Yeah. When you think of movies from the eighties, what are like some specific things that you really enjoy? I think for me, obviously, it is it's you know soundtracks are, are yeah. huge, um, and then fashion, which I feel like is coming back around. Um, are there any other things that jump out for you? Well, you know, it's funny. I I yeah I th- I was so gra- I gravitated towards. Just the look, that MTV style of editing and, and colors and, and, yeah, the fashion, the music. Um, I probably spent a lot of time with the sound low on these on these things, and so just watch the visuals. And because so, it was like late night watching? Late or? night watching or, um, yeah, for the most part. And, and, and so movies like Quicksilver, you know. And, yes. Uh, you know, where, where you, again, is it, you know the greatest movie of the, of all time no but is it entertaining yeah like this movie american anthem has some moments where you're like oh wow look at the style in this guy and you know i want to look like that and the music is really cool i mean the soundtrack is for an 80s fan the soundtrack has everything it's got mr mr andy taylor from duran duran right in excess was it, is in there stevie nicks yeah and, and but for our purposes today we're focusing on on uh this the anthem for American Anthem, if you will. Um, Two Hearts, performed by John Parr. Um, and John Parr, if you think about it, his voice was iconic for the 80s because one of the biggest movie songs of all time was Man in Motion from St. Elmo's Fire, which right. he also, you know, that's that's his song. And so people think, oh, they hear Man in Motion, and probably that, that came out obviously before this. Um, they were going to bank off the idea that this guy's going to get another big movie hit. Right. Well, what was interesting about Man in Motion was that, you know, it, it wasn't written for that movie at all. It was written no. for the Man in Motion. Yeah. Um, whose name is escaping me. And uh, It was about a guy in a wheelchair. Yes. In a marathon. Yes. Who who's, who's cross country. Whose name we both don't know. No. We, we know nothing about the story and we're totally <laughs> disrespecting the story. But No disrespect but, to this guy. Yes. Um, no. Um but yes, but the fact that you know John Parr, um, he's a very earnest singer, which I like. You yeah. know, he he you feel what he's feeling, and um, and you feel um, this. This sounds actually like I'm making fun of him, but I'm really not, no. I'm genuinely not. Like I really, I really like 
Um, I like Two Hearts better than Man in Motion. So do I. Um, by by far. I probably would Parr. shave a minute off the song though, because it's a six minute long song. Right. And that's and from I don't know necessarily how well it did on the radio. They must have edited this thing. And if they didn't, it probably didn't play on the radio because you're not going to get away with a six-minute song. It's a great point, although that's what they said to Queen about Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) Not to compare Queen to John Parr. Well, No, to compare Queen to John Parr. I think that um, John Parr... Um, is he on par with Queen? He's on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, this song from the opening, okay, and maybe it's, again, being, you know, a, a kid of the 80s and really nostalgic for this stuff. Right. Like, I, like you were saying, what was it about that time? It's really everything. Yeah. If you were to transport me back to when I was a kid, I would not be saying that right now. But looking back, just like the 50s were nostalgic for people of... You know, the adults in the 80s. Um, right. But for us now, this is a time when we look back and go, wow, it was so bad it was good kind of thing. Right. And I think there's a lot of uh, attempts to to reconnect to that in yeah. pop culture. You know, Stranger Things obviously is one of the most oh, yeah. uh, prevalent these days. But, um, but you see it in a lot of different areas. But I think that... The saxophone comes back. Right. The sexy saxophone. I love a good saxophone. And that's um, the opening to the song. The song is like a, it's like a, it's like a call to arms of, you know, for folks who might feel different or they might feel, uh, but it's also a story. I mean, it's it is the, it's kind of a weird story. Two hearts beat as one together. It may not be forever, but it's for now. Right. So we're acknowledging like impermanence. Yeah. I mean that like, is that is deep. Um, you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. It's like that kind of like yeah, like yeah, or I love you now, but I. You know, maybe tomorrow I won't. I think, though, as a kid, I was always afraid. Like, that kind of disturbed me in a way. Like, oh, it's not permanent. It's not forever. Because when you're a kid, I think you think everything is forever. Oh, yeah. No, impermanence is like a whole other podcast. I think we could really freak out on the good and the bad of it. Getting back to the lyrics of this song, it, it always kind of bothered me that the second verse was like, Two kids, they were nothing special. Yeah. Um, but they both had the medal to say, you know, who we are. Um, because I felt like these kids were, in fact, very special. They um, were. They're world-class athletes. Yeah. And that makes you special. Yeah. Uh, by and, default. And, and I think they were uh, a little, you know, she Julie couldn't get... She couldn't wrap her head around this particular routine she had to do with the song. and But I think there's this issue of, like, trusting kids as well as the adults. Like, you know, when the coach finally trusted her and said, okay, I will let you do this in his bad accent. Right. Did, okay, so he let her? Yeah. I th- okay, she didn't he just, finally she did didn't just do it. Okay. I think, he, I think, I think uh, cause the, the, the assistant coach was super supportive of her. Right. When they, she finally let him go, that's when she took off and wowed everybody. Okay, but there's a lesson to be learned in you. You gotta, you gotta work. You, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta earn your spot. Right. You don't just want to be right. You, it's like knowing that you have the abilities and knowing you you have the the talent, but you don't just want to be like defiant. But I do think there is something to be to take away about like thinking outside the box and breaking yes. the mold and not conforming to you know this is what everybody does. Um, yeah, it's like that way in. In performing, you know, you don't just want to give a boring old 
whatever you know you want it you want to you want arthur's music you want arthur's music yeah, yeah. And, and that music is such a jam and this idea that music is what gets us motivated like we were talking about earlier work out working out when I was a kid, it was all about you know studying for a certain test. I had to put my my mindset on like what music was I going to yeah. listen to. It's funny because when people think iconic voices of the '80s, rock wise, they would think about um, the guy from Survivor, or they would think about um, Stan Bush, you know, from the yeah, oh yeah, Karate Kid and Transformers, or they would think about dare I say Michael Bolton's early stuff, uh, you know, which is actually pretty rockin'. Um, <laughs> It's true. Look it up. His first album is fantastic. I highly recommend it. Uh, I champion his work. Um, and who would have thought that Office Space clearly was uh, yeah. making him, you know, social commentary? But yeah. um, I think of uh, the guy from, uh, you know, think of Foreigner, and you think of Bad Company, and like this kind of Paul Rogers, Freddie Mercury. Right. I think John Park can be thrown in there with those guys. Sure. He's got a great voice. Michael Hutchins from In Excess, you know, um, iconic 80s voices. And he's yeah. got that anthem voice. I think John Parr, maybe maybe he suffered from just having like a boring regular life. Like I was looking up things about him and yeah. it was just like, no, yeah, it's like he's just a normal guy. Yeah. Um, he didn't live that, that quote unquote rock star lifestyle. Right. He didn't, you know, asphyxiate himself while masturbating or, you know, whatever <laughs> happened. Oh my God. Michael Hutchins. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> But I just say, you know, there aren't, yeah, there wasn't a lot of controversy. And I think he, for the most part, stayed out of, he stayed out of my public eye when yeah. I was seven. Um, <laughs> says a lot. I don't know. Um, but, um, but I agree with you. Yeah. I think, I think, I think he's, he's great. And when you hear, like, Man in Motion, when you hear the first, you know, bars of the, na, 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 you're immediately transported back. Like to a, to a time, you know. That was the Kermit the Frog version of that song, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Gonna need your man in <laughs> But you, yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny because I, I would be curious to hear what um, uh, 20-somethings think of this music now. I clearly, uh, you know, I, I'm a music fan. I'm a music lover. I listen to all kinds of music. But there's something about this style of music that just triggers a feeling in me um, and my four-year-old son, which I think probably has something to do with it too. But uh, it, it's this idea of like, it's an anthem. It's a call to arms, like get up and, and, and believe in yourself. Yeah. And there's something really, uh, you know, cheeseball stuff aside, there's something really cool about that, about music making you feel like you believe in yourself. If a, if a, music, if a song can evoke that kind of emotion in you, that's a pretty damn yeah. good song in my opinion. That's very well said. I have nothing more to add. <laughs> I think that's, you know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, but we were talking about how when we, when we choose a movie and a song from a particular uh, time in the 80s or early 90s, we also look back on some of the things that were happening during that year. And so Dustin and I were doing a little bit of research on what was going on in 1986. And 1986 was a pretty crazy year. A lot of things happened from the get-go. Yeah. Um, you know, starting on the beginning of the year, the Challenger shuttle explodes. And that... We're just starting with the good things. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah. I, I was starting with yeah. January because that's the first out of the bat, you know. Oh, I see. Yeah. Happy New Year. And then this happens. Yeah. Uh, I remember exactly where I was when that happened. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, 
that seems to set the course for the rest of the year, kind of being on a bummer note. Um, I think, Culminating with this movie release. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, the movie was a bomb. It didn't do yeah. well. Uh, it actually, I think it did pretty well on video. So many movies of the 80s that didn't do well critically got a new life on, on VHS because it was a lot easier to spend $3 on a rental than and watch it at home at your leisure versus right. going to the movies and doing it for $7 or whatever it cost back then. Yep. Um, so what else happened? <laughs> well, there was the Iran-Contra scandal. This is amazing. <laughs> Fox Network starts. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, that's what, yeah. Um, wow. Bill Buckner, uh, you know, um, the, oh, the, the, Mets. The, the Boston Red Sox will never forget the fact yeah. that Bill Buckner uh, missed the ball that went right through his legs leading to the Mets winning the World Series. I mean, that's something to be to be champion, that the Mets yeah. won the World Series for all those yeah, Mets fans exciting. out there. Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden and all the great players. Mookie. On the team. That was a great team, by the way. Wilson. Um, Fox Network starts in America. <laughs> a great time in America. Arnold Schwarzenegger married Maria Shriver during this time. Uh-huh. Um, which, you know, we all know how that ended. Uh, right with an impreg- with a pregnant um, nanny. Um, supermodel Gia committed or died of AIDS. Oh, she committed dying of AIDS. She, she committed to the. Um, this is horrible. <laughs> Haley's comet came back. Okay, so that's, there's a positive. That's good. The Statue of Liberty celebrated its 100th anniversary and got a faith facelift in the process. Oh, I remember that. Fun fact: I only knew that because of the movie Remo Williams. Where they shot right, the, where the, 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 yeah, there's a whole fight scene on there. That's good. Go out and find that one because that's a that's good. We should talk about that one. I don't know what, musically what's going on with that. Stay tuned for future podcasts. Um, I'm sure we can pick something. Oh, did I say Chernobyl already? <laughs> if I had, if I hadn't, no. The way to bury the lead, man. Nuclear disaster in uh, history. Chernobyl. <sighs> That's definitely not something to laugh about, but it was that happened in 1986. So, Len Bias of the uh, first round pick of the Boston oh, Celtics, Celtics died of a cocaine overdose. Yes, and I mean these are all things I remember actually really well. Vice oh Vice President George Bush denouncing broccoli and then getting basically um, tons of it delivered to the White House by mistake, or that was on purpose probably. I don't remember that, but that's. Because that was his whole bit. Right. He didn't eat broccoli. Right. And then suddenly the White House was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just yeah. because he doesn't like broccoli doesn't mean he doesn't like other vegetables. And yeah. This whole backtracking thing because we didn't want the president and vice right. president being a role model it's, for our country. It's weird that he could have gotten impeached probably for that, for not for, eating yeah. broccoli back then. Yeah. But now it, it doesn't matter what you do. No. Um, and and being perceived as a role model yeah, for young people. For young people. That well, that was a thing. young racists are, are all okay. <laughs> they are now. They're set. Um, <laughs> 1986. 1986 was also when the Chicago Bears yeah. won the Super Bowl. But that's not anywhere on your on your, your list of positivity. It's not, but, but I do remember that time. Um, yeah, we should just talk about that. Bears. I mean, that. come on, that was an iconic team. Some of the top songs back then, That's What Friends Are For by Dionne Warwick and Elton John, oh, Gladys Knight, and yeah. Stevie Wonder. We're talking about four huge icons, icons yeah. of the music industry. Um, 
a gallon of gas in 1986. Just as a quick aside, have you, <laughs> you, you've never just like put that's what friends are for on for fun, right? I never have, no. No. I just feel like there's a certain person who does, you know, like, like who's just like, I'm just going to sit back, relax, and put on that's what friends are for. Like, it's kind of sad. It's kind of joyful, but it's also sad. But it's also like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to hear it, if that makes sense. Like, I don't. Yeah, honestly, if I'm going to put on a song that is more, I would classify that as an R&B genre kind of song, wouldn't you? I, I, or is it I more don't know. Of a, There's harmonica in it. It starts off, you know. Like, a, like a Muzak kind of easy listening just, AM. You know, I think for me, what's kind of triggering me is that I would go to a lot of bar mitzvahs growing up, and occasionally they would end the bar mitzvahs with that song for some inexplicable really? reason, and then make all of us put our arms around each other and sway, which um, being forced to do that is weird. The fact that that was the anthem for bar mitzvahs of your that you weren't privy to. It's, well, it's I, very guess, interesting. I guess in a way, yeah. There was also... Um, what's the there were there were a couple of a couple of songs that were always played at bar mitzvah. I mean obviously you know like the electric slide and stuff that was that was later but um <laughs> like uh I feel like Rick Astley uh never gonna give you up was played a lot of, which is weird and it's and that has made such a resurgence in in our time yeah I feel like I just need some therapy right now I'm just going <laughs> musical processing well this could be a whole other episode devoted to songs that kind of closed out um joyful occasions because you're reminding me of this karaoke bar i used to frequent back in the day called the carlos club in northern california yeah and the candy rapper and johnny rocket who were the hosts of uh, johnny rock it who were the hosts of the karaoke like he because he rocks it not he's a rock not like a space not a not a you know rocket man johnny rocket johnny rock we need someone to rock it dash it got it (laughs) and candy rapper with an r Um, she they would close out by singing uh time of time of our lives by um uh dirty Dirty dancing Dancing. yeah so you know here we are with that's cool (laughs) it kind of maybe it's a nicer way to end a bar mitzvah other than that's what friends are for. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, t- yeah. Cause that, cause then it is like we've had our time where it just makes more sense. It does because um, you, ha- when yeah. you're at a bar mitzvah, you have had the time of your life. You, you're right. Right. I would, if I would somebody wasn't so. making you interlock arms and sway to, um, you know, a Rod Stewart song or something. Well, that's a whole other, yeah. I mean, bar mitzvahs back then were probably totally different than they are now. I'm sure. Anyway, that, that <laughs> is what friends are for. So. Aren't, aren't they? Aren't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I want to, I, I do want to say, uh, you know, because we talked a little bit about, uh, the Super Bowl champs and the New yes. York Mets. Um, the Boston Celtics won the NBA championship. Yeah. That, year. that was my favorite team. Was that it? Was, honestly. Yeah. Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. Oh, Robert DJ. Chief. Yeah. 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 Great, know. great team. I love that team. It was, it was a team first, team first team. Um, that connects with the movie because it's, you know, sports related. Right. That was a great, <laughs> that was a great way to bring us full circle. You're welcome. <laughs> um, a lot of sports in American Anthem. Oh my gosh. I mean, a lot it, of gymming. But I think the 80s, and, and this goes with the, the song and the movie, the the eighties were so much about rooting, cheering for something, 
it, it, it's nice to look back on that and reflect in a positive way versus bashing the time and going, oh, this movie was terrible or this movie, it had this right. and that. There's plenty of people that can do that. Right. It takes a special kind of right. person to like really champion the positive moments of our time. Anyone can shit all over a movie that's bad. You can go on any message board, net message board, <laughs> go on any, any forums, and well, yep. yes, on the yeah. internet, yeah, you can. There, there's plenty of places that are going to tell you how bad something is, and that's perfectly fine. But we are trying to find the silver lining, and if you listen to our podcast and are listening right now, you're clearly a fan of '80s nostalgia. Yes, if you're still listening, bless you. <laughs> And we, yeah, we invite and encourage you to come along on this journey of 80s exploration. Oh, and by the way, not to seriously bury the lead here, but next week we interview Mitch Gaylord. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that. 1984 men's Olympic gold medalist, uh, gymnastics hall of famer, the first gymnast to ever score a perfect 10, and an absolutely wonderful, inspirational human being. So please stay tuned. So uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to $2 Late Fee. Please subscribe and listen to future episodes. Did you ever uh, did you ever wear 3D glasses just to be cool? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Especially when I Back to the Future came out. And I said, yeah. oh, I want to be. I think that was Billy Zane who wore those <laughs> yes, glasses. Yes, yes. Billy Zane. That's right. <laughs> Wherever you are listening to this, possibly. Want to be on our podcast? Yeah, Billy Zane. <laughs> we could talk about the Phantom. Listen to your friend Billy Zane. <laughs> um. Well, I feel great about this. and I feel um, great about it, too. Catch you on the flip side. It, uh, and that's a very, that's a classic 80s. Is it? Slang, right? <laughs> Catch it. Maybe not. I don't know. Because now I'm feeling a pressure to say something that's like classic. Rad dude tubulars. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of Rick from the movie North Shore when he looks back at Keanu and Turtle, the final scene of the movie, and says, I'll be back. Because we'll be back. We will. We shall. <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four. Is it five star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.